Amen. Amen. You know, so often we can have a tendency to, um, and this is kind of, it's funny how sometimes the Lord kind of just impresses something on your heart. And uh, a couple days ago, um, I felt like the Lord was going to have me start that series uh, today of bad advice and just kind of felt him leading me in a different way. And, and so uh, just Saturday, uh, the Lord was impressing on my heart that maybe that wasn't the best time to start that series. And so uh, like all good Baptists, I told God all the reasons why he should let me. And uh, he seemed to want to go a different direction. And so um, this morning we're going to do just something a little bit different a little bit here. But um, my prayer for this morning is even before we get in the message, um, it's just that we will be so guarded against falling into any kind of a, a rut in worship. And I know I say that often. I know that for me that's something I've always struggled with is, is making sure that my heart is never just kind of in a complacent part of just worship. And I say that because it happens. There are many times where maybe you can relate to this, that you get through a worship set or, or you know, uh, someone prays, like Greg just prayed for our service, and um, you sit down and you kind of just, just kind of move your mind into the next compartment, the next box, if you will. And you're kind of just breaking it up in your mind. And sometimes the Lord's trying to connect some things and you're just kind of just not really connecting with him. And so here's what I want to do before we even get into the message. I just want to take a moment and just ask you to really contemplate who God is right now. And just really think about who did we just pray to? Like who did we just sing to? What is God wanting to say to you right now? How is he wanting to speak in your life in some way? Because I'm telling you, if we are not intentional about it, we will just move through a service and we'll never actually experience what he has for us. And so I want to ask you, who is God right now? I mean, when you think about that, like who is God in this moment for you? What does that, that bring to your mind? And what does that do to your heart and to your spirit? When you sing songs like, I'll cherish the old rugged cross. And do you actually, I don't know about you, but I do this sometimes because I'm kind of weird and that's cool. I actually imagine like being at the foot of the cross and like just holding on so tightly to the base of that cross. Because I know that's my only hope. That's my only strength. I have nothing but what this cross represents. And so think about it, I will cling to the old rugged cross. Obviously, it's not the wooden cross we cling to. It's the person of Christ and his sacrifice. But, man, I just want to ask you, what does God want to say to you right now? So if you're finding yourself kind of in that mode, I know we're only two weeks into January. But, man, we got to be so guarded because if you come here today and you're just kind of doing the same old thing, you're going to leave the same old way. Man, if you come in and you say, God, I don't care about yesterday. All I care about is what are you going to say to me right now? We were studying a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night um, the seven I am statements of Christ and kind of walking through those seven statements of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world, those statements in John. And it reminded me as I was preparing for today that he's not the I was. He's not the I will be one day. He says, I am. I'm in the present tense. And what that reminded me of is, God didn't just speak to you yesterday. 
God didn't just, isn't just going to speak to you tomorrow. God wants to speak to you right now. You know what's amazing? This is the crazy part of all of it. Do you know the only thing that can stop him? It's not Satan. It's not the world. It's not some demons. The only thing that can stop Jesus from speaking into you right now is you. Do you know why? Because he's sovereignly given you that control. He is not saying you're greater than him. He's saying, I will give you this freedom. And you, the Bible says, can grow dull of hearing. And so many people are like, oh, the message just really didn't speak to me. Do you know when you read the New Testament, it's amazing. So often there's a lot of emphasis on the hearer, not so much on the speaker. Yeah, I need to give you the word of God. I need to preach the word of God and teach the truth of the word of God. And, and I pray that's what we're going to do this morning. I pray God will speak through me and not allow me to mess it up. But you have to be willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to listen. How often does Jesus say, if you can hear, you should hear? And we need to be careful our ears having gotten kind of dull. We stop listening. Because he is not just the I was or I will be. He is the I am. And so here's what I want to challenge you on. What does he want to say to you right now? As you go through the message today, what is he trying to communicate to you? And I don't know why God is, is impressing this on my heart the last couple of days. I don't know if it, this speaks to anybody here. I don't know if you're sitting there going, man, I needed to be reminded of that. But I can tell you that I need to be reminded of that every single day. You ever study the Bible and you're reading through a passage and you'll read like 10 verses and you'll stop yourself and you'll go, man, what did I even just read? I've been there. Some of you have started off the new year like I'm going to get more serious about my quiet time. Spending time in God's word. Some of you have gone the other way. You know what? Grace covers all sin so I don't need to read this. God's cool with it. He knows my heart. He's not your mom, okay? He does know your heart. But he has some expectations for you. He says, I want you to be in my word. But as you're reading through the Word of God, be so guarded that as you're trying to go through the Bible in a year or whatever you're doing, which is awesome. Someone was telling me they want to read the Bible through this year chronologically. I thought, that's a cool challenge, a cool thing to endeavor. But be so guarded because you might get through five or six verses and go, man, what did I even just read? Every single word is from your Savior's lips to your heart. And so give him the courtesy to just take a moment and just really read it. And then don't just read it. Say, God, now apply that to my life. God, change me based on knowledge. See, so often we say things like, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know if that's really true all the time. I think it's, I know exactly what he wants me to do, but I don't want to do it. Again, I did not want to rewrite a message yesterday. That was not my idea of how to spend a Saturday afternoon. Like, oh yeah, sure, scrap that whole sermon. We'll just start over Sometimes we have to just stop and say, God, what do you want me to do with what you've taught me? He is the I am. And so as we walk through this message today, don't just be another Christian sitting in another church on another Sunday, singing another song, praying another prayer, reading another verse. Man, Jeff's song, that's one of my favorite songs by Casting Crowns. Honestly, there's so much truth wrapped up in there. Next couple of weeks as we break apart bad advice, I'm actually, it's amazing. I couldn't have asked for a better intro song to the series than what Jeff texted me and said, hey, is it cool if I do this song? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it is a slow fade, isn't it? Not just in sin, 
but it's a slow fade from where you were with Christ to where you are now. And then we think, oh, I'll never get back there. Uh, yeah, you'll never get back here because you're not the same person. So stop trying to get back here. Just turn back to him and watch him use you. Work and move and speak. Why do we always try to go back to what those glory days, what is that about? I want to go back to when I was first saved. Why? You didn't know nothing. <laughs> Let's just be real. There's a reason God matures us. The problem isn't I need to go back to when I was first saved. The problem is you need to go back to Jesus. And so how can God speak to you this morning? And I know this is not really part of the message, not part of the sermon per se, but man, I just, I don't know. The last couple of days I've been thinking, Lord, you need to move in our lives. I've, I've told you before, if it's just me coming up here talking to you, this is a waste of your time and it's a waste of my time. Because I don't have anything. But if this is about him and about his Holy Spirit speaking through the word of God and changing us, man, then it's worth all of our time. So I want you to open up to a passage of scripture that's really familiar to everyone in this room. I guarantee it. Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. In just a few moments, not quite yet, but in just a few moments, we're actually going to stand and read this together. And so... Um, if you don't like public reading, just do this. And nobody will know. It'll be fine. Last week, we, we kind of talked about getting started. And many of us came forward to this altar and made a decision to get started. But as you have begun that journey, you have an old familiar feeling rising up inside of you. That feeling is called fear. Fear is something we all share and we all struggle with, but it is something that is like the shadows on your bedroom wall as a child. No matter what your imagination has turned it into, it's still nothing more than a shadow. We truly have nothing to fear in Christ. People will say, you know, that famous quote, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. I don't like the end of it. I don't fear anything in Christ. What, what should I fear? The very creator of everything has breathed life into your being, quickened you, the Bible said. Ephesians chapter 2 at salvation made you a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. He says, you are mine and I am yours. And if that is true, and again, do we really believe this book? Man, we could talk all day about what this book says, but if we don't believe it, we'll never live it. And if we believe this book is true, then we have nothing to fear, period, in Christ. There is nothing that should fear us or make us afraid. Psalm 23 is a passage that every time we read it should give us a little more confidence in who we are. But more important than that, who our Savior is. Who our Savior is. See, so often nowadays people will say, well, if you want to have you know, more self-esteem and more self-worth and more self-confidence. You just got to think more about yourself and really think about how great you are. And the Bible seems to approach that topic a little bit differently. It seems to suggest that the more I realize who Jesus and God is and how much they loved me and I humble myself before that mighty God, that will in fact lift me up, the Bible says. You really want to grow this year in understanding who you are? Then grow in understanding who God is. But again, that's on us. 
That's on me opening my ears up to what the Lord has for me. That's on me to listen to what he has to say through the work of the Holy Spirit. Not just through his word, but through other people even. And so when we read this in just a moment, I, I know it's familiar. And I know unfortunately, and, and kind of mistakenly, this gets read at a lot of funerals. And I, I understand why, but to me, this is not a sad psalm. This is not a, a sorrowful psalm. This is a joyful psalm. And this is one that I would encourage, man, when you feel really discouraged and beat down and beat up by the world or somebody else around you is making decisions that's just tearing you down and pushing you back and fear is rising up because I'll never change, I'll never be any different, I can't do it, I can't do that, why would God ever use me? And all these stupid doubts come into our minds, we silence them and the voice of fear by reminding ourselves of who our God is. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you stand with me? I know we don't usually stand to read scripture, but I'd ask that we would stand and we're going to read this together, and so it'll be on the screen. And so we're just going to read one verse at a time. And so if you would follow along with me and read aloud, I would really appreciate that. And again, ask the Lord to revive these truths in your heart and mind as you read them. Let's begin verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you stay, or remain standing as we pray and ask God to apply these truths to our hearts and minds today? Heavenly Father, your church is before you, ready, willing to receive what you have for us. We as one body, we stand and we exalt the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We exalt his glory before all the world. This church, your church, is called to represent your glory and presence in this world. I pray, Father, that that is what you will do through this service today. To make your glory known. And that we would worship you for being that God. Lord, may you speak to us. May your Holy Spirit Take these truths and apply them to our hearts. May you revive these things in our minds through the week that we would remember them, not just as knowledge, but as truth that changes lives. Father, help us to live fearlessly in this world. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your comforts. Thank you for your church that we get to gather together today and to as one in unison with all things common a common goal, a common purpose of exalting Christ, get to recite together the word of God, which is the very power of God. Thank you for all that you do and will do and have done in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, thank you. You may be seated. This morning, we're going to be speaking on the idea of how to live fearlessly. How to live fearlessly. When I was in junior high, 
there were t-shirts that were super popular. Some of you may remember these, the no fear shirts. You guys remember these? Everybody I knew had one, okay? And I remember thinking, man, that's such a, you know, edgy thing to say, oh, no fear, you know, no fear. And it was about like extreme things. Like I have no fear, I'll do whatever, I'll do this, I'll do that. But in reality, the Bible is telling us that we can live with no fear. See, unlike when Michigan State came back on the court after halftime and they looked across and they saw Michigan and that fear began to well up inside of them, it was justified because they lost. But we don't have to have that fear. Football season's over. I got to get something. I got nothing else but, but basketball right now, so I'm just teasing. Honestly, though, think about this. We can live fearlessly. So here's what I want you to do in your mind right now. I want you to ask yourself, and I'm not talking about the little silly things that maybe we all think of, but what is your greatest fear? You don't need to answer out loud, but what is your greatest fear? Is it fear of disappointment? You're just terrified of letting someone down. Is it fear of failure? Man, I would, I would do that, Lord. I would begin that journey, but I'm just terrified I'm not going to be able to do it and do it well. What is the fear that you battle with the most? What is, what is the thought that when God calls you to something, the first thing that comes into your mind is a doubt? I can't do it because whatever that is, it has no power over you. That in Christ you can live fearlessly. And I want to walk through this psalm today, and I want us to see how we can live fearlessly, not because of who we are, but because of who our shepherd is. Who our God is gives us the strength to live fearlessly, to dream the dreams that God has given us, to step out and step up and stop allowing these doubts and fears to rule and reign in our lives. You see, we have no fear because he is Lord. He is Lord over all, and he is our personal Lord and Savior. He is Lord over all, and he is a personal Lord and Savior. David begins this beautiful psalm by stating a confident truth and a bold cry to the Father. He says this, the Lord my shepherd. The Lord my shepherd. David knows the Lord is not just someone else's shepherd, but his own shepherd, personal For a reference, you can jot it down for time's sake. I'm going to turn over there. If you'd like to turn there with me, you can. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 10 and verse 10. We'll read through verse 11 and then drop down to verse 14. John 10.10 says this, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says, and know my sheep and am known of mine. Jesus is kind of fulfilling here, if you will, what David cries out. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus in John chapter 10 seems to apply, he is the 
good shepherd that David spoke about in Psalm 23. You see, the verb shepherd here in Psalm 23 is a present participle and means, is shepherding me? Is shepherding me? Just as we said, he is the I am. He is also currently your shepherd and he's shepherding you presently, right now, in this moment, he's shepherding you. A shepherd, in David's understanding, guarded and provided for their sheep in every area of life. Can we just stop for a moment? And again, this is where we get so kind of caught up in the moment. But think about what we just said. That if a shepherd provides for their sheep in every area of life, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and my sheep know me. Then we can infer from that and imply from that that Jesus, being the good shepherd, then provides for all of our needs in every area of life. And again, why do we have fears? Sometimes our fears of of doubt or, or failure it's become, it comes from the inside of us where we think, God can't do this. Can God really take care of that? Can God heal this? Can God solve that? And the answer is, over and over again, yes. Also of note, the word lead in verse 2 means to lead gently. To lead gently. It says, he makes me to lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. You see, you cannot drive sheep. They must be led by the voice of the shepherd. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that the Lord is so patient. He is so gentle when he leads me, even when at times I allow fear to keep me from following his voice. And aren't you thankful that he's just patient That he doesn't get angry with us and try to drive us into submission, but he just patiently leads us and gently calls out to us by the working of his Holy Spirit. There's a lot of times that I should have been drove into submission when I was in disobedience. But he sees that and he just is so patient. It doesn't mean there's not consequences. It doesn't mean that he's not going to step up and do what needs to be done. And sometimes it seems kind of harsh to us. But man, he's gently leading you. He's kind of leading you through where he wants you to go. And if you are just just submissive to him, and you just say, okay, I'll just follow you. Man, look what's waiting for you. These green pastures and still waters represent this peace, this calm. And if we would stop fighting him and start just following him, the peace and the comfort that await us are beyond understanding. But we think, I've got to figure it out. I've got to fix it. I've got to do it. Man, that's all good and great, but that's just spiritual mumble-jumble. That's just stuff to make you feel good. It's not practical. It's not real. And see, the moment your brain starts convincing your heart of those truths, you've already drifted so far you don't even realize it. Man, in spite of fear, I trust thy faith that God is better. I trust that God is in control. I trust that God has a purpose and a plan. And listen, I know that's difficult at times in our lives. That's not something we just say half-heartedly, kind of just flippantly, like, oh, God's in control. No, listen, when, when pain comes beyond understanding, I understand it's hard and it's tough and it's difficult and it's real. But greater than your pain and greater than your sorrow and greater than your fear is your Savior's love for you. And we need to submit and say, God, I don't understand. But you're calling me, and I'm just going to follow. 
Some of you might say, well, I don't even know if I've heard the Lord's voice lately. What does that even mean to hear the Lord's voice? I can't describe it for everyone in this room, but I can tell you that when you hear it, you know it. And you might say, well, that's kind of an abstract answer. That's what Jesus seems to say. My sheep know my voice, and they listen. And so maybe when you're studying the Word of God, and all of a sudden this verse begins to speak to you, and the Holy Spirit takes it, applies it to your heart, and just kind of opens your mind up to it. Maybe that's how he's speaking to you. Maybe he speaks to you through someone else that says a word of encouragement that you just desperately needed or a word of affirmation to make that decision that you weren't sure of. Maybe he speaks to you through orchestrating situations and circumstances that lead to that decision, to that time, to that place, and you know, God, this was so of you. The key is we have to be willing and open and listening so that when he does speak, we hear him. The name Lord here in verse 1, we talk about him being a personal Lord but Lord overall. The name Lord here is the name Jehovah in the Old Testament. And it represents the Lord's power and might, as well as his many characteristics. The Hebrew writers would combine the name Jehovah with another word, like Jireh, in the Hebrew, to mean the Lord provides, Jehovah Jireh. And they would do this often. They would take the name Jehovah, combine it with another word, and explain how the Lord was in control of that. Do you see the beauty in that? Man, I... I just love that these authors were not just like, oh, God allowed this, or, you know, man, God, you know, laid it on someone's heart to work in my life. They would stop and give all the praise and all the glory and say the Lord would provide. The Lord takes care of it. Even if it came through a different source or different means, all the glory went back to the Lord. And so I want to look at how the Lord meets our needs in this simple psalm, looking at what David says here. I'm going to give you some Old Testament verses. I encourage you to jot them down for notes. Study these out, read these later, and see how it is true for your life as well. David says this and how the Lord provides for us. He says, I shall not want. This is the idea the Lord will provide. Genesis twenty two fourteen. Genesis twenty two fourteen. The Lord will provide. David says, still waters. That he leads me beside still waters. The Lord is our peace. Judges six twenty four. The Lord is our peace, Judges 6.24. David says that the Lord restores my soul. Exodus 15.26 tells us the Lord who heals. The Lord who heals. Aren't you so thankful that he doesn't always heal like we want him to, but he always heals? In the loss of a loved one that was struggling with a disease or a sickness... Maybe you were praying for healing this side of heaven and the Lord saw fit to not heal this side of heaven. But I can promise you, based on the word of God, that person is healed today in heaven. Whole and complete. He restores my soul. He doesn't just heal from sickness, by the way. You know, I've always said, sometimes in prayer we can get so focused on the physical things. You know, pray for so-and-so that has this condition. Pray for so-and-so that's going to the hospital for this. Pray for so-and-so as they're having surgery for that. But he heals the spiritual things as well. So if you're battling with bitterness, guess what? He can heal you of that. Unforgiveness, he can heal you of that. Doubt, you can be healed. Addiction, as we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, you can be healed. He doesn't just heal physically. Stop limiting God and what he can do. He can heal you whole and complete in every area of your life because he is a Lord who heals. So let's go to him. Let's lay it before him and say, God, I'm broken. <laughs> and everyone else might think you're fine, but you know 
there's something that you're battling with. And you need to say, Lord, then I'm just done. I've taken all the prescriptions. I've taken all the doctor's advice. And I'm still right where I was. And so I need you. Speaking spiritually, of course. Man, sometimes we, we go to all these different resources and we try to get help. And it doesn't seem to do enough because we didn't go to the healer first. And those things are great and good and getting people to help and encourage and counsel and what we do on Tuesday nights, that's all good. But if you don't go to him first, you're not going to see the truth of what he wants to do. You're not going to see the fullness of healing that he can provide. He restores my soul. David also goes on to say and talk about the paths of righteousness. Jeremiah 33, 16, the Lord our righteousness David says about the presence of my enemies. Prepares a table before me. Says, I'm not even afraid of these enemies. I'm just going to sit and have a meal because I'm not fearful of them. Exodus 17, 15, the Lord our banner. The Lord our banner. He also says, the Lord will anoint my head with oil. Leviticus 20, verse 8, the Lord who satisfies. The Lord will provide. The Lord our peace. The Lord who heals. The Lord our righteousness. The Lord our banner. And the Lord who satisfies. This is just one psalm expressing the depths of God's wonder. His characteristics and his love for us. One psalm. Six verses long. And if, if you're not careful, you might just read through this thing and not even notice it. But let's be honest, man. You could take those six things and maybe you would do this. I don't, I'm not saying you have to, but maybe you would do this this week. Maybe for the next six days, every day, for the next six days, starting tomorrow, you just get up in the morning and you say, Lord, thank you for being the Lord that provides. So Monday morning you wake up, first thing you pray, first thing you say to the Lord is, Lord, thank you for being the Lord that provides. May I trust that you're going to provide for me today. Not how I want, but how you'll want to provide for me. Tuesday, maybe you'll wake up and say, Lord, thank you for being the Lord our peace. May I rest in your peace today and dwell in your peace because you are the Lord who provides. So maybe you'll take those six things. And if you missed one of them or missed the passage, see me after. I'd love to give it to you. But maybe this next six days, you'd walk through those six things and see the Lord grow you in your worship and in understanding of his goodness. This famous psalm is a psalm of praise and worship for all God is for those who trust in him. When I truly realize all God is for me, what will I fear? I mean, let's be honest. What really can I fear in spite of all these truths? You know what's funny about fear? It's illogical most of the time. Sometimes it is logical. It makes sense to be afraid in a certain situation. But that's where faith steps in and overrides our logic. But so most of the time, at least with my fears, it's illogical. It's not even really based on anything. It's this doubt or worry of something that might happen. People spend their whole lives worrying about things that never actually happened. You know what you call that? I'm not a genius, but you know what I would call that? A waste of time. Man, do you know the Bible says, and I'm not trying to, we all struggle with worry. Some of you are good worriers for other people. Like, you don't just worry for yourself. You're like a professional worrier. Like, when someone needs to worry about something, they're like, I don't want to worry about this. I'm going to call so-and-so. I almost said someone's name just there. I'm really glad I said so-and-so. You know who you are. Not looking at anybody. Um, do you know that worry is a form of a sin? 
And I know you're thinking, oh, but pastor, you don't know what, I mean, it's just something that I just can't even help it. That's the flesh in you. And it is true. You can't help it. It just seems to kind of just be there. Like, oh, I don't even like. And listen, here's the reality. Most people that worry that I know don't like worrying. It's like they enjoy it. Like, hey, I'm worried today. It's a great day. No. (laughs) Nobody does that. But maybe for you, that's what you cry out today. And you say, Lord, I need you to heal me of that. Because, Lord, I'm tired of worrying. I'm tired of spending all this time thinking about stuff that's never going to happen. I want to trust you. You know why worry is a fear? Because it's a lack of trust in your Savior. It's a lack of faith. Now listen, when I say that, we all struggle with a lack of faith, by the way. I'm not picking on the worriers. I'm just saying as an example of something kind of simple that we would all understand. We all battle with a lack of faith. And even the disciples battled. Those that walked with Jesus battled with a lack of faith. It's not okay. But at least it's understandable. So what do we do with it? When we understand we struggle with it, we don't go, well, this is just where I am. Yeah, it is where you are, but why are you staying there? Once you have knowledge it exists and you don't change, now it's on you. So how can we surrender these things to them? And for the next six days, just grow. Don't have any expectation. Just say, Lord, just grow me the next six days in understanding these truths. We have no fear in life because he is Lord. We have no fear also because he is with us in the valley. Anybody ever been through a valley in their life? Aren't you glad if you know the Lord, he was with you? See, he is with us in the valley. Notice David changes personal pronouns in the psalm in verse 4. If you notice, verses 1, 2, and 3, says, He maketh me to lie down your pastures. He leads me beside the waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil for Thou, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the, midst of, in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Do you see the change there? So what in the world happens in David's mind that he changes from he to you? Understand, David is not speaking about the shepherd, but to the shepherd. David transitions from speaking about the shepherd to speaking to the shepherd. And I think we need to understand this in our lives. This is key in understanding the living, living a fearless life. There are many that have knowledge of the Lord, but they are not experiencing it for themselves. They can recite verse after verse about God's protection and provision, but when the pressures come, they resort to listening to the voice of fear and doubt because they know it, but they don't know it. They're not applying what they know. When fear speaks to you, you speak to your shepherd. Honestly, when fear starts speaking to you, you stop talking about your shepherd and you start talking to your shepherd. And I'm promising you, it will will reaffirm what you know to be true. You are with me. Do you know that David says, in the shadow of the, in the valley. You are with me. He's not saying that to remind God that God should be with him. He's saying that to remind himself that God is with him. We don't got to remind God of what he said he would do. We need to be reminded of all that God said he will do. And so often we spend our whole day talking about God, but spend some time today, spend some time this week talking to him. You see, David understood that his shepherd was with him personally. 
David had an eternal confidence. And we see this in verse 6. Look at verse 6 with me again. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, towards the end of his life, looks back and realizes that with all of his sins and failures, with all of his victories and blessings, goodness and mercy were all over his life. The word surely here in verse 6 means only. Only. So look at that verse again. David says towards the end of his life, he says, only goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's a pretty bold thing to say, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I've, there's been times I thought there was something else other than goodness and mercy going on in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lord, come on, what are you doing here? But David's perspective was changed. David understood that even in the negative, even in the bad times, that it was goodness and mercy that was with him. This is an Old Testament equivalent to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Jot it down. Look it up later today. I don't want to read it for time's sake, but it's a kind of the Old Testament equivalent to Romans 8, 28. You see, David looked back over his life, but also looked ahead. How could he understand that goodness and mercy followed him all the days of his life and will continue to follow him all the days of his life? He had to look ahead to the Father's house. You see, David says at the end of the verse, because of those truths of the goodness and mercy, says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is not a reference to the earthly uh, house of worship. This is not a reference to the temple or to the tabernacle. Uh, this is uh, a reference to heaven. You see, David would have never, as king, lived in the tabernacle or the temple. That was not something that would have happened. And honestly, no one would ever have lived there forever. And so when David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, many commentators believe he was actually referring to the Father's house. John chapter 14, go over there real quick. John chapter 14, verse 1. I know we know this passage well. And John chapter 14 and verse 1. Again, we see the Old Testament to the New Testament connecting. We see the lines being drawn there. The fulfillment of these things in the mouth of Christ. John chapter 14 and verse 1 says this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. We talked about that a few weeks ago. What does it mean to have a troubled heart? It means to be anxious about something. What is anxiety really an example of? Fear. It says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Before you jump all over Thomas for his doubts, every single one of you would have asked the exact same question. And if you didn't, you had it in your heart. You were just too scared to ask it. At least he had the guts to ask it. Thomas wasn't full of doubt. He was full of interest. He's not asking this because he doesn't believe. He's asking this because he does believe. And he wants to make sure wherever you go, I go, Lord. Do you see that there? And then I really need to, if you're telling me we know the way, I really need to make sure I know the way because I am not going to die and not spend eternity with you. So you need to tell me which, which is the way here. Verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
You see, this is the same words that David is using here, talking about the Father's house, the house of the Lord. He was speaking of heaven. I mean, isn't it amazing for David to look ahead to the Father's house without even the words of Christ to tell him what it was like? Before Jesus ever came, David said, no, no, I know, I have a confidence. I will spend eternity in my Father's house. Because goodness and mercy has been evident to me of his existence and his love and his care. And because of those truths, I base my faith on that, that I will continue through all of eternity. We, too, can look beyond the momentary struggles of this life, the sins we have committed, and realize that when we see him, we will proclaim that through Christ, only goodness and mercy followed me all the days of my life. In closing, I want to go to one more verse, one more passage to look at as a reminder that this is not something that's going to change. Go all the way over to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. Again, this last verse that I want to read gives us that eternal confidence that our shepherd was not just faithful yesterday, but tomorrow as well. Look at verse 17 of Revelation chapter 7. It says here in verse 17 of Revelation 7, For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I want to focus in on the key and the characteristic of the Lamb, Christ himself. It says that he will feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. Do you know what that tells us? He was our shepherd. He is our shepherd. And he will always be our shepherd. He will always lead you if you would just say, I will follow. He will lead you right to the waters, right into a life of peace. Now listen, God's peace isn't the absence of struggle. God's peace exists in the midst of the struggle, in the, in the heat of the battle. He, have, he gives us a peace that no matter what goes on around us, we have this confidence that he is leading us and he is with us. So I want to close with the question, did you decide to get started last week in your journey with the Lord? Did you make a decision last week to say, I'm going to go wherever God leads, I'm going to do what God has called, I'm going to go and do and see and just experience all that God has for me? If that's true, then praise the Lord for that. If you haven't made that decision yet, then maybe today you'll make that decision. But when you make that decision, there's another question you have to ask yourselves. Are you fearful of failure, of criticism? How about this one? Are you fearful of the unknown? I think all of us would answer at some level, yes, of course we are. That's just natural, we would say. But it doesn't have to be practical for us. And we can live fearlessly. You can live a fearless life when you trust the Lord as your personal shepherd. So maybe today we're not going to talk about someone else or him being someone else's shepherd. Maybe you need to focus on he's your shepherd in Christ. And so here's what I want to do. We're going to close and have a time of invitation. And here's what I want to do. I want you, I know we're closing up just a hair earlier than usual, just a little bit. But I want you to spend some time in prayer this morning. You don't have to come forward to pray. But maybe you want to come forward and say, Lord, I made this decision last week. I said and I committed that I was going to get started. 
Maybe you've already faltered. Maybe you've already stepped away. Listen, stop beating yourself up. That's the voice of the enemy. You just get back up and keep going. Maybe you made a decision to walk with the Lord this year and there's already fear. Fear that you're not good enough. Fear that you don't know enough. Who are you to really make disciples anyway? Fear of past sins coming back and just haunting you. Fear of criticism from others because maybe you're not doing it the way they think you should. And listen, you don't have to live in fear because he is your shepherd if you know him as your personal Lord and Savior. So I'd ask this, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, then he's not your shepherd. Then he's not leading you. He's not there for you like he wants to be. But if you know him as your personal, if you received him as your Savior, then he is there for you forevermore. And you can say, as David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right there where you are. And I want to ask you honestly, before we even pray, do you know him? I'm not talking, do you know about him? I'm not asking, have you read about him? I'm not asking, have you heard of him? I'm not asking, do you have head knowledge about him? Because head knowledge without conversion leads you to hell, the Bible says. Even the demons know that he exists. Even the demons know he is real and they tremble before him. It's not just a knowledge of God. It's an acceptance of what God has said as truth. And so here's what I want to do. In just a moment, we are going to pray. And, and I don't want to say too much more, but I want to make sure everyone's clear on this. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, then right now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you can know him today. Confess your sins to him. Ask him to save you of your sins. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins. And ask him to be your shepherd today. Ask him to lead you today. Ask him to care for you and to remind you of his provision for you. Maybe you, you're here this morning and, and you don't know Christ. Maybe it's just, just in the closing prayer, you will, in your heart of hearts, just cry out to him and ask him to be your savior. But maybe there's someone here that knows Christ as a Lord and Savior. You've, you've received him into your life. And maybe you know fear is a problem for you. Fear of worry, fear of doubt, fear of failure, fear of disappointment, fear of not being good enough, fear of criticism if people really knew the real you. And so you put up these walls and you play this game and you pretend like everything's great and always have the answer, it seems like. But man, you know that you're not really trusting in him. And maybe you'd come in just a moment and bend a knee and say, God, I just need to stop trusting in me and start trusting in my shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And he gave his life for the sheep. Would you be one of his sheep? Would you call to him? Ask him to save you? Let him lead you? Maybe you're in a valley right now. And even as a follower of Christ, the valley is dark. And it's cold. And it's, it's just not something you think you're ever going to get out of. So maybe you'll come and just say, Lord, I know I'm in the valley, but I'm so thankful that you're with me in the valley. That you've not left me, but you're walking with me and you're caring for me. Even when I don't understand it. Father, would you just work, lead, guide, and direct. Holy Spirit, you lead and do what you need to do this morning. Draw those to the altar that need to be drawn to make a decision and a commitment for you. But Father, for the one or many that are just walking in that valley, Lord, my heart breaks for them because it's tough and I don't know all that they're going through but you do and I'm so thankful you walk with us in the valley that you watch over us 
and that your rod and your staff, they comfort us because you are greater in your strength than the strength of my threat. May we worship you this morning in all things because you are Lord of all and our shepherd who leads. Father, may you bless now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? You ready to live a life of fearlessness? You ready to stop living in fear and doubt? Maybe you'd come and pray. Say, God, help me to trust you as my shepherd as you provide.